Hello, this is Family Electric Ghost. Hey, how's it going? Good. And so I uh, just do a little intro. Uh, this is the Family Electric Ghost Show. We talk to indie artists from around the world. And today we're talking to Teddy. You're from New York. I am, yeah. Well, originally from Seattle and then Austin, Texas. But now I'm in Brooklyn. Cool. Yeah. So I sent you the questions. So we'll kind of run through those. And then we get into, you know, we talk about um, what artists want to talk about. So we talk about your process and your music how you got into it so the first question I usually ask is like when did you first get into music and at what age okay yeah I mean man that's like a (laughs) I feel like music has always been um super prominent in my life mostly because I did grow up in a small town so everyone had cars and I think a lot of growing up especially in high school is that you uh are kind of really into like playing music with your friends in cars and so even though I was part of the iPod age um, we still burned CDs because everyone's cars had uh, CD players and I think I really got into music because I wanted to make dope playlists and like you know take them to parties and you know I got a lot of satisfaction out of that Um, getting into like as a musician um, came about actually like three years ago when I was uh, palling around with an artist. His name's Elliot Lip, and he pretty much taught me everything. And I got really excited about music. He put Ableton on my computer, and it just kind of skyrocketed from there. I guess that's interesting. So, um, so you've been working on music like for your own, um, you know, artistic. Uh, enterprise for the last like three years but you were into it when you're in high school oh yeah for sure I mean I think music I think any musician is going to tell you that they've always just had an interest in music and interest in being more involved than their peers in music and you know at first it started off as me more or less being like a curator for parties for my friends just for my own personal enjoyment you know I I was that was back in the day when you know LimeWire was super big you know we'd pull a shit ton of playlists off there and just like make make music and you know share music and I thought that was really cool and then you know later in life when the opportunity arose to actually become a musician I, I was chomping at the bit so I just grabbed it so um do you realize when do you realize you had a talent as a musician um and maybe get into like what kind of musician what or if you're a producer and you just use digital audio workstations and CDJs, just maybe talk more about. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so as far as like my DAW, I use Ableton for sure. Um, if I'm playing live, I definitely use CDJs. I think that's pretty much the streamlined way of playing, um, especially EDM. Um, I know a lot of people like to use like a MIDI or they'll use their laptop still with Serato, but I, I prefer just having a thumb drive and being able to take that over to wherever I'm playing. It's, you know, a lot better than having to cart around a lot of gear for mm-hmm. sure. But yeah, I mostly work in Ableton. Um, I use a lot of VSTs. I use a lot of plugins. Um, I do have a couple keyboards that I like to use specifically. I really like the R3 by Korg. Um, it's just a really basic, really good keyboard. It has a vocoder on it, uh, which I really like. So I'll plug that in and I'll use that as a MIDI keyboard by itself as well. Yeah, that's interesting because I'm a, I'm a kind of a analog modular I'm so- know, straight like electronic musician. Um, the type of music I use are modular synths and analog synths like Moog's 
and Rollins um, and your own. Yeah, I mean, I, I predominantly like to produce, um, like, in software mostly. Like, I really enjoy um, using what Ableton has to offer. I really enjoy VSTs, plugins. Um, I really, for my workstation, I just like to use an interface, um, one hard, uh, like, one mm. keyboard, and then uh, my computer. Yeah. It's a different style. When I grew up in the 70s, I'm like a 50-year-old musician. Oh, yeah, so for sure. It's and a different age now. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I'm like all about gear. I think gear is really fucking cool. But I mean, it's super expensive and it takes up a lot of space. So I'm trying to um, keep my studio space as minimal as possible. And I think that way I don't get too sidetracked or, you know, carried away. It's just nice to have like a minimal workstation. But, you know, that's what works for me. You know, I have a I have a roommate who's also a musician and he has like a full studio of like everything analog, which is also really dope because I'll go in there and play around. But for my personal workspace, I like to keep it pretty minimal. That's a, yeah, it's like it's a different age because, you know, I come from an age where people were using like oh, yeah. Rolling oh, yeah. Junos and Jupiters and Modes and stuff. And I'm, I'm a straight keyboardist, so I like to oh, actually course. build yeah. sounds. And so it's a different type of like electronic musicians who do like synth wave. Mm -hmm. If you look at bands like Radiohead, yeah, yes, totally. that's kind of where I'm coming from. It's a, it's a totally different space. So it's kids like listening to the analog synths were kind of really kind of like guitar players. Guitar players are big into their guitars, and you know, synth oh, players God, are big yeah, into their it. hardware. <laughs> but. Uh, but so um yeah so your influences and, and musicians that you look uh, up my, to as your reference points i'd probably say like a lot of my influence comes from um other electronic music producers like rl grime hudson mohawk bauer um those guys are pretty inspirational to me there's a couple up and coming women that are that well i'd probably say that they've definitely arrived but like rez and there's this girl named whipped cream she's really good she makes bass music and you know, there's there's a lot of people that I draw influence from, but I would definitely say like my biggest influences are R.L. Grime, Bauer, and Hudson Mohawk for sure. So more band, more artists in the twenty, yeah, two thousand yeah, for sure. Um, mostly because I've I've only been making music for about three years, and so that's like what really expired. It like inspired me. Are those three artists predominantly just because they use a lot of horns? Um, they have really interesting drum patterns and I kind of fell in love with it. And I was like, I want to figure out how to make music like that. And I kind of just went online and started doing YouTube tutorials and try to figure out my own sound. But it's definitely, they definitely uh, influenced my musical patterns for sure. So when, um, so you said you use uh, Serato and you use CDJs, you use, um, uh, oh, your I dog use and Ableton Ten, yeah. Ableton mm. Live. So, uh, so when you play live, you use like Ableton Live, or you use your Ableton. Uh, I don't use Ableton Live. I just use CDJs. So what I'll do is I'll take a thumb drive and I'll actually run it through a program called Record Box, and that'll pretty much uh, put the key signature mm -hmm. on it, the BPM, and then um, the CDJs recognize that, and so I'll put in one thumb drive. And that'll pretty much load up all my tracks. So that way I can kind of uh, plan out my set if I'm going to do open format or if it's like a set where I have a plan, um, I can pretty much have my set list 
um, in there so I can pull songs from it and then, you know, live mix them and whatever. So you you would say you're more of an EDM DJ yeah, type of artist? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's kind of what I've um, filtered myself into. That's cool. So have you um, have you looked at doing any kind of um, things that are outside yeah, EDM? Yeah, I've definitely other thought about it. Um, I'm learning how to play the piano now, which is a lot different. You know, a lot of people think because I make music that I automatically know how to play the piano, which isn't true um yeah it's definitely a skill that i've been working on it's a skill that's going to take me a couple of years to really learn but i've been trying to get outside of um, my comfort zone and trying to learn the piano and we have a full-size piano in our apartment so <laughs> i've been working you know that's a good yeah it's a good tool but like if you look at the history of electronic music if you go back to when like moog and mm-hmm. roland created their first synthesizers they actually didn't use keyboards. Oh, they used yeah. sequences. So the, er, the early electronic musicians used, used analog controlled voltage sequencers, which are kind of like the sequencers mm-hmm. today, but they're a little bit different in that they just uh, triggered, you know, 16 steps, but you had to run them through all these different right, you know, synthesizer right. concepts. Uh, and run it through like controlled voltage, run it through subtractive synthesis and additive synthesis. So those are like theories on how you build sounds rather right. than just building beats. And if you like a cool thing to get into is like Euroracks and because um, they can create very unique sounds that, you know, you can't get from soft synths. You can build sounds yeah, from, yeah, yeah. from yeah, the waveform. And, and, and you can actually create music without even knowing how to play a keyboard. You can do all the sound designs very atmospheric and do can do a lot of cool things that you can oh, integrate yeah, sure. into EDM. Which is which is definitely like what like yeah. I want to be able to expand on for sure. I think that um, always looking for inspiration and always looking for something different is super important to not you know get stagnant. And, and, and a cool device that's very small, that's kind of real hip right now. Oh yeah, like the teenage OP1. engineering. Yeah, I have an OPZ. Oh. And I just did a whole record on an OPZ. And the OPZ is just um uh, is a 16 step mm-hmm. sequencer, but it's got sound engines inside of it. And it can do lighting, it can do uh, like you know all kinds of lighting effects at a show. It can do video effects and it's very small. It just looks like a yeah, TV yeah. remote. But you can build a whole yeah, you can build a whole song on it. It's very yeah, small. That's... And it uses USB MIDI. So that combined with the CDJ would allow you to do some performance things on a hardware synth that's super yeah, small. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And that's definitely something that I want to get into. I think I've just been like super preoccupied with just learning the basics. Yeah, but things like o- OP1s and OPZs are kind of cool because then they allow DJs to kind of start to bring some traditional yeah. hardware synthesis yeah, for sure. into I the picture. Yeah, something that's definitely that missing, um, especially DJs that play festivals. Um, I mean, I know tons of people that, that have bring keyboards, that play guitar, that do a bunch of that stuff, but predominantly, I feel like people in my genre usually just bring a thumb drive, use the CDJs, but, you know, there's definitely skill involved in that, but to see some more hardware out there would be kind of cool. Definitely cool. Yeah, just because I come, I come from a kind of tradition of electronic musicians that you know we actually play if you ever mm-hmm. see my instagram i actually do do shows where yeah. i'm playing yeah. hardware since and 
you know, you see bands like Radiohead and Wilco and Mogwai. There are bands that still do that. You know, churches. Churches is a good example of of a synthwave yeah, band absolutely. kind of bringing new wave. For sure. And part, yeah, part of electronic is going back to the '80s and that new wave sound, or like the sound that Kraftwerk came up with, or Human League, or, you know, bands like that. That you know, electronic music is multiple genres. And some, some people sometimes think, like, I was actually approached, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm a synthesizer player, and I was approached, like, oh, can you do something on a CDJ? But, you know, for a guy like me, putting a Moog on a CDJ isn't really yeah, yeah, what I would do. That makes sense. But I can understand, because I've talked to a, a, several DJs, like Skeleton mm-hmm. out of Los Angeles, and DJ Linata, um, I interviewed her. And it's it's just interesting in this genre that you know it, there's a lot of cool stuff going on, but I'm always looking for people to expand because I know what happened <laughs> to disco. <laughs> and if if everybody gets so comfortable with a way that's very easy to perform, but then limiting in terms of creative capability, then you could kind of get caught into a disco scenario. Um, if if people don't yeah, bring absolutely. other things into the I genre, I definitely would love to see some more hardware out there. I mean, some of my favorite shows that I've gone to have been DJs that bring out um, their keyboards or like something like a Rolly or something like you know they they have yeah yeah. And those, those, there's turns. usually like yeah. a huge separation between uh, DJs that use CDJs and people that perform um, with hardware. And you know, I definitely think that people have a tendency to get boxed in. It would be really cool to see you know that switch up a little bit for sure. Yeah. I've seen that more in Europe. Like if you go to Asia and Europe, or you go to like Netherlands and Norway, Australia, there's a lot of synth wave bands that are merging CDJs with you know live drummers, oh, live yeah. guitar I've players, definitely, definitely people with big, big big Euro racks. Yeah, yeah, and that that's a different thing because then you then you actually have a lot more gear. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. more like a band. It's harder. Yeah, it's harder to manage, and then you got to hmm. get roadies. Um, and stuff like that because you're carrying a lot more stuff so i can understand trying to have the small footprint but there are things out there like the roland keytar has yeah i was out of production for 20 years and mm-hmm. now the keytar is back Ro- roland's making full keytars they have like 1300 sounds in them um and then you can play them live and that's a cool kind of way to connect to an audience because then you have a, a electronic musician that has something that's kind of like a guitar um but it allows you to get in front of the audience and, and kind of get out behind a stack and actually interact like the way a guitar right. player interacts. And so that's a, that's another way of, of getting into your audience, you know, doing stuff. But there's all kinds of stagecraft, people wear stuff, you know, like Dead Mouse. You know, but Dead Mouse is a DJ. He uses a lot of analog. He uses a lot of Eurorax which a lot of people might not realize, but yeah. there's a lot I mean, of that I think going that's on. There's also a difference between people and like what they do in the studio versus what they do live. Um, like I know that predominantly like my music is it's all made, you know, the creativity and like the, the production is, is in the studio for sure. And, you know, there's countless hours where you're doing that. And then um, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes and that. And so by the time I I'm ready to, to get in and sometimes i'll even work on stuff in someone else's studio so there's not really an opportunity to bring that hardware on stage but um there's definitely like especially the bigger artists um i know that they have access to some of the best gear like in the world so yeah it's just harder because you know there's a whole thing going on where 
clubs like to run people in, you know, a lot more acts in one night. I've been to clubs in New York with, you know, they want to have 10, 15, 20 acts and you can't bring out like a traditional rock band. It's hard to change up that many bands. But if you're on CDJs, you have more capability to have yeah. more people in the club. Yeah, for sure. Playing I mean, it's, definitely, it's just easy. You know, it's, it's, it's really cool that you can just, you know, show up with a thumb drive and, and, you know, do your sound check and it, it's definitely become become something. Yeah. If you have to jump on a plane, you don't have to bring your No, keys. no. And I've I've <laughs> I've traveled with vinyl before and I think my shoulder is like permanently like I don't know, lower than the other one because I was carrying a vinyl yeah. bag. And that's that shit is heavy. Yeah. Well, I've heard there are some clubs that, that are kinda rebelling and wanting people yeah. to bring vinyl again there's some clubs that just want oh yeah guys I mean, all vinyl, vinyl sets are, and are, are so cool i mean i love it when i'm going someplace and someone's actually playing vinyl because it's just like you know you don't you don't see that everywhere yeah. like you see it but you yeah. don't see it everywhere and you know i mean that's yeah the different kind of skips that kind of it comes into play the vinyl i think it's kind of similar to like you know, there's different things. People on CDJs like Yeji, uh, she's really big. She does really interesting mixes and stuff on stage. And so I've seen really creative DJs. And so I think there's a lot of room in, in the genre for, for doing some really cool stuff. Um, but again, I'm a very performance-oriented type, type of artist. Right. But, um, but I interview people multiple genres and I understand there's a lot of creativity in the studio so maybe maybe about there's those songs on your SoundCloud Heart Slice and Diamonds maybe you can talk about how you construct I'm sorry you broke up just a little bit I was talking about some of the songs on your SoundCloud so I see Mm -hmm. Hot Slice and Diamonds maybe you can talk about how you yeah I mean those those songs are um some of those are definitely like my babies you know it's my first EP so um basically um, like I said earlier, like, uh, I got Ableton on my computer and I first just kind of started messing around with, um, just like samples of classical music, which I've always loved classical music. I, you know, I was, I grew up on it. My parents listened to it. And then I started, you know, putting in a drum rack in Ableton and I started just kind of fooling around with that. And then, um, you know, you can put in, you can plug in MIDI notes and I learned how to make chords and it just kind of, I found a vocal sample that I really liked and I started chopping that and it just kind of came together. It wasn't the most organic process because I was learning at the same time. So um, I had, it took me a really long time. Like I learned how to produce with those songs essentially. And when they first started, they were completely different. They were just a couple loops strung together with like a weird drum rack. And then, you know, the more I learned, the more I could alter it. And, you know, it just, those those songs I pretty much learned on and you know that's why I love them so much but um so did you do all the production on those or did you take them to a producer did you oh I did I did all of the production on that yeah um I did I did have a couple people help me with the mix and mastering process because I think that that's just like such a monster to get into especially Mm -hmm. when you're a new producer that I definitely wanted other people's help with that Um, I think that's really important especially as a new artist to always ask for help um, but yeah, I, I produce all those, um, pretty much predominantly by myself. Yeah. That's awesome. Cause I, I've seen some people that would, they'll do basic tracks like in a, 
do it in FL Studio, and then the producer does significant like rewrite. Um, <laughs> but that's what you know what you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Some artists want that kind of person to do that, and there's other artists want their own personal yeah. stamp on their work. So it's kind of like the singer songwriter from the '70s would do pretty much the whole thing, and then the producers did very minimal. Um, and so it seems like you're, you're going more like the route of yeah, a singer I mean, songwriter I like producer. I like to do like everything by control. myself. I want to do my drums by myself. I want to do my chords by myself. Um, I'll grab samples off of places like Splice or some MP3s online, just whatever I can find, like some Foley or, you know, some some sounds online, and I'll, I'll mix them in there for sure. But, I mean, I like to get in there and make everything myself because it is my art, and um, it's important that I, that I do that. Yeah. Um, but as far as mixing and mastering, that's really when I like to hand it off. Um, I'm just not quite there yet. I know I'm not there yet, and to give you know my art its best chance um i like to have other people help me mix and master yeah i mean it depends on how how, how crazy you go with the, some of the mastering hardware then it makes it easier. yeah 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 and some <laughs> and you know and some people have like really good hardware and software that i don't have that they can mix and master with so you know there's yeah. there's always that yeah. you know you have the analog mixers or the digital mixers and all, all the different things you can do to, to, to like once you put your tracks down and then <clears throat> there's a lot of cool stuff you can do today in home studios so i've built one up over the last 20 years kind of like leaning mm-hmm. toward the analog sound but um yeah there's a lot of people like you said i mean there's a lot of people that have these digital studios and somewhat like okay but if you're an analog artist you don't really want your stuff getting compressed into digital when you yeah, use an album. Yeah, for sure. And- <laughs> so it depends on what you're doing. So, but you're in the space where you're a digital artist. Doesn't it's not a big yeah issue. yeah yeah. But um, for for people who are doing like analog, then sometimes people who are offering services, they kind of can actually. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely it's definitely like it's, it's not really geared toward there. what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've yeah. I've used Adam. I've used some different people. I'm sorry. No, I didn't hear you. Oh, sorry. I I think we had a lost connection just a little bit. I hear you. Okay. Okay. Great. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, analog for sure, and digital. They definitely go together. I mean, I even have in diamonds. Um. The Hoover. I put the Hoover in there for a split second, which I really liked. Um. Kind of like an ode to you know, um, 90s electro. Yeah, yeah, I really, I really like that sound. It's really aggressive, but it's such a dope sound that I felt like I had to include it. Yeah, it's kind of like, like, I have a a, a Mm -hmm. big love of punk music. And, you know, some electronic music, I like to bring in like the Clash and bring in, like, really, you know, the Ramones, that kind of punk aesthetic which is, and that can be a little messy um, because, it, it, you know, punk didn't really go for, like, the most aesthetic, pristine sound. It yeah, yeah, like it's not very, emotion. punk isn't the most melodic of music, but it's just got so much fucking no. energy, you know? It's just got that, like, that drive, yeah. you know? Yeah, the punk, yeah, the punk aesthetic of the class, you know, they're not singing in perfect pitch, but they've got something to say with, like, this urgency 
then just kind of power that you can kind of I, you can bring that in. you get bands like 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 you know uh nine inch nails you know they kind of took this punk aesthetic yeah. into electronic and they they had that trent Reznor had that kind of same punk attack that the clash had but yeah, it was a little right. kind of that like where I'm, but um yeah anybody who takes a little harder stuff i'm always like yeah there's always <laughs> also like something like especially if i'm going to do something that's really hard um i always like to add something that's like really pretty or like really melodic and i like balance in my tracks i think that's really important at least to me like i don't want like a fully like hard bass song or like a super mm-hmm. like absolutely cute future based song so i like to i like to sit somewhere in the middle you know i'm a huge fan of balance and tracks yeah i think like we go back to the old school like really old school like beatlesque yeah. you know songwriting yeah. it was it was kind of about about having a balanced mm-hmm. record they had a lot of different emotions a lot of different feels like back in the age where people would mm-hmm. listen to an album like album oriented yeah. music where where like all the songs could be different but Um, right. feelings on each each one so kind of work from that kind of idea that the Beatles started with Songcraft that people would listen mm-hmm. to a whole record because prior to them people yeah. just listened to singles for sure you know and then they started creating the album as a yeah that's like something that's happening now too I think is that people are just like releasing music as singles as eps and you know you definitely still see albums but i'm seeing a lot of people just like releasing singles you know like all over the place and i i really like that i like that a lot because it's like um you don't there's actually there's like the rule there's like no rules in (laughs) yeah what yeah today's kind of like there's like early in the 50s stuff but again a band like james brown James Brown would be listening to, releasing like a single every week. Mm-hmm. It was like all the time. It weren't even really albums. It's singles all the time. And I think today we've kind of gone back to that. Yeah. Where a lot of artists are kind of going back to doing what the 50s like soul bands used to do. They used to release like all the time. And um, eventually they started getting collected onto albums, like vinyl LPs. But originally right. they were all like 78s, 78s and 45s. Um, of the world are like you know the radio stations back then they were just releasing like singles all the time yeah for sure absolutely are you working on just singles or you have like an album project for 2019 uh for 2019 i definitely i'm working on a four song ep another one um that pretty much highlights what i've learned over the last year um it's a little bit more technical there's a lot more sound design involved um, I'm just kind of being more authentic um, and trying really hard to, you know, um, I had the luxury of being able to release my music while still learning. So, you know, it's definitely like every single EP that I'm going to start releasing is just going to be like another part of that learning process. And I think that um, the sound design is going to be a little bit trickier in this next upcoming project. And it's definitely going to be um, a lot darker. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, so like I'm, I'm, ex- I'm, ex- <laughs> I'm excited. I mean, it definitely still has those, like, that, like, cute 
poppiness to it, but it's, it's, you know, there's a lot of, uh, bass sounds that I really, really like, and they're dark and they mm-hmm. fill up, you know, um, like hot slice in particular, like has a lot of highs and a lot of mids, the lows are, they, they're, it's, it's really high heavy. It's really mid heavy. And I really want to, you know, work on, yeah, yeah, yeah. Deeper and bass, I, I think deeper I've bass. that with a couple of the songs that it, that I have coming out and they're definitely, they just, I think they just seem dark because they're just really bass heavy, but um, they, they sound good and they're just a lot more technical. And, you know, one of the things that I think I like about it is because it is technical and like, it might not be for everybody, but I think that um, the sound design fans are going to like it. And so, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. I'm a big, I'm, well, I'm, I'm the kind of analog you know, modular sound design. I love my Moogs. I have a, you know, I always think a Moog can produce a bass that yeah. is like really heavy. Um, and so, if you ever get your mother or, or Moog Mother 32, they can produce. Yeah, really I need to definitely bass. look into that. Yeah, and those, those just, just the analog bass lines have a quality that. If you if you record it right, they just yeah. Can, like, that's, I was just room. about to say that they can fill the room. You know, it's just they just seem warmer. They just seem bigger, like not not as hollow as yeah. like, some of the synths. Yeah, well, digital can only go so far. The analog kind of fills the room with the right. warmth of the signal, and like my modes are kind of like they're like guitars. I mean, they take twenty minutes to warm up. Um, they sound oh, wow. different every day. So they give you different sounds just based on the way they're built. They're hand built, so they just they don't behave like digital instruments. They behave more like yeah. guitars. And so when you get into them, they just become like you get kind of really drawn into them. <laughs> um, yeah, that's just me jumping on that. But I think they just provide for sound design. If you ever touch an analog synthesizer and you ever get it into your mix, I think you'll really enjoy what you can do mm-hmm. with them. Um, in terms of the sound that you can bring in, in terms of leads, and that's just like monophonic sense. If you get into polyphonic, it's like prophets or mm-hmm. like old Jupiter eights from, from you know back in the day when like Duran <laughs> Duran used to use Jupiter eights, you know, like knew the Human League used Jupiter eights, and they just have this sound yeah. that's like yeah, super that's... warm compared to a like a digital synth, like a Korg or something, just playing in digital. You hear like an old Jupiter eight, uh, for the, those are like from the eighties. They just have this warmth in their chords that you just can't yeah. get from digital. Um, so yeah, as just as a sound designer, when you get further into it, like the, the bring in polyphonic analog chords and leads and bass lines. Yeah, is I think a cool analog is definitely going to gonna be my next step. Um, in in getting more educated because you know it's just. I think I was just using what was available to me and what was available to me was Ableton and the plugins and the VSTs. And now that um, I'm, yeah, I mean, they're dope. Yeah, but I those mean, are like, cool. It's definitely like the more, especially living in New York, there's access to studios that have all that analog gear. And so getting the opportunity to be able to yeah. go in like uh, mess with those a little bit is going to be something that I'm, well, something that I am really excited for. Yeah studio that has an old mode model 55 or model 33 or mini modes you would get like an unbelievable sound 
those are since then like Keith Emerson and you know Genesis and bands like uh you know the old classic bands use but they have this heaviness that yes yes use a lot of those and they're sitting in some of the studios in New York they still have their like 30 50,000 synthesizers they're, yeah, they're ones that take I've the whole I've seen it um, there's this like, like <laughs> yeah yeah you seen it? Uh, you yeah, saw I've one? Seen, I've seen one, but I mean, like, there's also um, a, a place in uh, Austin, Texas that has, like, one of the cooler um, modular synthesis walls that I've ever seen. It's called Switched On. Um, if you ever make it to Austin, I definitely suggest, or if any of your listeners are in Austin, they'll know about Switched On. It is probably one of the coolest places um, to go mess around. And they also sell really exciting synthesizers. Um, that's where I actually got my R3. I also have the Korg Volkas, the the little the little guys. That, yeah. Volkas yeah, are awesome. I, yeah, I really like those. I have yeah, the those FM. Are awesome. um, I have the the drums. I have the God, I have all of them, but one. The boutiques are pretty cool too. I have, yeah, yeah, they're really cool. They have like the Jupiters and the 106s and SH-101s. They have a lot of cool stuff. And they're virtual analog, and they're pretty close, mm-hmm. and they're small. And you can bring them. I've seen DJs actually have racks of those boutiques uh, with like 808s and stuff, and they, you can do some pretty cool yeah, stuff with that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I know. I like, I, that's like the closest thing that I've, I've really gotten to is with those little Volkas, but I do like them quite a bit. You can do a drum machine showed up at NAM. that's really awesome. It's a very powerful machine. It's really cool. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff from NAM that's starting to pop up. Um, I, I didn't get a chance to go this year, but um, there's a lot of like cool videos that are starting to pop up since it just got finished. Yeah. NAM had like, like their brand new Korg like polysynth, like the Minilog mm-hmm. XD. That's a that's a really nice small analog polysynth. Full analog synth, and but it has a digital oscillator as well, so oh, we wow. can do digital and analog at the same time, which is kind of cool. And it's very small and portable. Yeah, that was that. There's all kinds of videos on it, but it's a really nice piece, and it links with Volcus. It actually has a link to the Volcus, what? so you can. So you can link all your Volkers up to it. That's so dope. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean, there's so many, there's so many cool toys. <laughs> there's so much cool yeah. shit out there. Yeah, you know? I'm a toy master, so <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things. It's like you I'll, check I'll your be... baby count, and you're like, what can I buy next? Equipment to see that you're 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 doing a lot of cool work. And um, you you got a new EP mm-hmm. coming, you know. You can let us know when yeah, that's out. Absolutely. And um, yeah, are you doing any new shows in the next couple? Months uh, no, I'm actually just working on my my EP. You know, I'm you know a lot of the times with electronic music producers, you get kind of stuck into just like playing parties or like playing nights at clubs, and it's not really about your music. Yeah, it's yeah. just more or less mm-hmm. like playing music. And I'm just trying to take a seat back from that and you know, work on my actual music and production. So I'm just like laying low, laying low and making that EP. Yeah. 
Well, that's cool. I mean, last year I spent the whole year just yeah. creating a bunch of material. And this year I'm, I'm actually putting it out as like albums, but I spent the whole year just refining. And- yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, that's just so important. Yeah. But it's good to actually, you know, get into your craft. So you're still, you know, you know, in starting and, you know, taking that time to actually learn your craft and work mm-hmm. out records rather than just playing. There's a time to play. You know, this year I'm hoping to do like concerts and festivals right. and stuff. But like last year was just like totally heads down. So I can get into that. Yeah, yeah. Stage. And so there's definitely cool. a time and place for both, I think. And I think that being able to get in the headspace and be able to get creating music because sometimes you just have days where you work eight hours a day and when you're done with it you're like well that was garbage (laughs) so yeah to get get good work done you've got to you've got to like really you know take the good and the bad days and most of the time you're gonna have bad days so (laughs) yeah yeah I mean a lot of bands you know I was talking to a band that was like a traditional rock yeah and they were from like London from Manchester and they they did hours and hours of like rehearsal. Yeah. And then that, you know, out of those hours, they pulled their album out of like a hundred hours of rehearsals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's, that, that's part that's, of it. That's kind of what. Yeah, it's kind of what you do. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I think people just think that you get in there and every single time you start making music that you're just like, oh, this is fire, this is amazing. And like most of the time, you're just kind of like looking in the mirror afterwards, like I am garbage. <laughs> and then you know well yeah it was, you know to build something that people don't realize how many hours you put down as a musician to get that hook it might seem that it just came out of nowhere and sometimes, sometimes you get does. a hook you sometimes you sit down you're does. on the train and you, you know you open your computer and all of a sudden like 10 minutes later you have an absolute banger and those are days that i love but most of the time it's just like you know yeah. i'll find one thing out of the eight hours that i like and i think that's one thing that needs that people need to realize is that um it's a lot of work and it's a lot of work that's unseen. Oh yeah. I mean, musicians have all this stuff, you know, in the archives, you know, I'm a big music historian mm-hmm. and I watch, I watch documentaries like uh, Eric Clapton, Dylan Hendrix, you know, Jimmy, and Jimmy Page. And, and they, when they, you talk to these guys and people talk to them, they realize how many, yeah, how many, how many hours they spent working on something and how many versions of something they did before you got the one, that you thought was some kind of effortless. Uh, you know, some of this stuff is totally not effortless at all. It took like <laughs> forever to like. Yeah, something. yeah. You know, I mean, just... I have I have tracks sitting on my computer that I I haven't trashed yet. I haven't labeled them as trash, but they're definitely still on there. And like every time I open up that project file, I'm just like, this is a nightmare. But there's something about it that I like, and <laughs> eventually I'll turn it into a song. Yeah, because you can take, you know, you, sometimes you, I end up going through hours or something and I take a year ago. I just. Never had anything for it. And then I started to like rework it, add bass lines. And so, so you go into your repository, all your stuff, and sometimes you can go back and you pick something up and drop and you can bring something out. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you never know. For sure. There's always an element, you know, and that's another thing, too, is I think people like to hold on to like that idea that they had for a song. And then sometimes you just have to like eliminate that and then pull the parts that you like and then make a new song out of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's tons of examples. I was listening to like the Stones and I was listening to some of their classic songs from Exile on Main Street. And it was like this big compilation and it had 
some mm-hmm. of their original demos. And they were like like 180 degrees away from the final, you know. And you're like, wow, is like they, they they that wasn't as effortless as the Stones kind of sound like they're effortless, you know. They just go and they just do it. And there's you actually saw how much work they did to actually yeah. bring these Yeah, songs it out. takes a lot of work for sure, but I mean it's worth it. You know, that's also another thing is that you have to just like keep having fun because it is a lot of hours spent um just messing around you know and if you're not having fun doing it then it's gonna suck well i think a lot of because you love it more than that you make the money for the amount of hours you work yeah (laughs) (laughs) if musicians got paid for the amount of hours they work on what they do you know they'd be sitting in them you know in a big like palace but you just no. not everybody gets to that, you know. You like everybody's like working. Love it. you do it because you feel it and you you want to bring your vision to the world, whether it makes a lot of money or not. You kind of just are feeling something. You feel yeah, like the yeah, world should absolutely. hear it. So you that's, work on that's it. That's pretty much what I do. I just I just try to keep having fun and and <laughs> and once I stop having fun, I guess I'll quit. But I haven't gotten there yet. You know, I I love making music. I love you know, um, I love the feeling when you finally, when something finally clicks together, you know, you know, it's, it, that's what's so yeah. worth it, you know, and I don't think that you would get that feeling unless you just labored so hard to achieve that. Live playing, I played in New York a couple of times in uh, Boston. And when I go to do a live show, it's just like the interaction with the audience, you know, this seeing somebody like really oh, vibing yeah. off of something worth, you write is like, yeah, there's nothing like that. It's hard to explain to people what that feels like if they don't do it. You know, it's, it's hard to explain that feeling. But that's why a lot of musicians that you know drive you drive for it is that kind of the feeling you get back from the interaction yeah, and that's, with the that's audience. That's worth everything, you know? to be honest. Uh, like that's just like watching that and like just having just getting those like little emails or getting like little direct messages or just something that's like, yo, I really like your shit um i play it every day or like they just tell you something personal about themselves and how much they like your music and that's just like that's just so rewarding yeah yeah it's cool when other musicians oh god that's That's like when i run around my apartment i'm like (laughs) yeah i not believe you just said they like my music and it's you know it's it's little stuff i think that there's just so much about being a musician that's worth it and that's fun you know yeah you know, even collabing with people as you get further down the line, you know, I did some collabs with a band mm-hmm. in New York, a band called Lonnie Claire out of New York and did a, a collab with this artist, an electronic musician from Los Angeles. And it was just really, you know, cool when we actually yeah. locked in on something. Like if you play with a musician and the other musician comes up with something, you know, you have an idea, you're working 50-50 on it and they, they lock in on a bass line or they lock in on a groove. And you're like, wow, that really works. And then you have this kind of synergy you don't, you don't really have anywhere else. <laughs> you know, it's an artistic, you're, when you're working with somebody and you both have like the same kind yeah. of ideas and, and or things that are kind of, maybe even I have the same ideas, but they're complementing each other. You know, that that is a really awesome feeling that, you know, a lot of bands Yeah, and I've, I've only um, collabed with a few people. I have some collaborations in the works i just have to you know just get get on them but 
that is a really interesting perspective that you bring up because it's like a lot of people in bands are constantly collaborating and like with electronic musicians you're just pretty much by yourself and so once you once you do collab with someone and once you do vibe with someone and like you can like pass on a track over to somebody and they work on it and then you get it back it's just like crazy you know what what other people can think of you know that you haven't thought of yeah like i had this like three-month project i did with this artist named all control k and we were just we'd have meetings you know Mm -hmm. we actually went and had skypes and and we would send files back and forth and get real time like uh you know feelings on what we were doing and then sometimes i was like wow k that you just did something unbelievable yeah that's like the best feeling we're doing like a real-time collab we were with the Skype and working in our studios and can we kind of go back and forth at the same night and not waiting until like the, a week later or a day later. And so it felt kind of mm-hmm. like we were in a studio, even though we are on the net. Today yeah. You know, that's that. one and, thing uh, that I would like for someone to invent is to be able to be inside a project file, like especially like Ableton live um, and ha- be able to have somebody yeah. else in their dot working on like almost like a google doc but for um a, for ableton like that would be a game changer yeah i was actually pushing that a couple of years ago i had a podcast and i was talking to this producer guy um named rock tunes and uh we, we were we were put i'm able to have a live capability you just talked about because I'm a programmer, and it is totally possible to build something like that, but they oh, just haven't that's so annoying. done it. I, I, w- I would think within the next five years, somebody, one of those companies is going to realize there are a lot of people doing these collabs, and if they built an online version of their studio that had real-time interaction, that it would it would actually help the music industry because you get a lot of people working on things yeah, because uh, it's such a pain in the ass having to, really... like, stem something out or, you know, send it. Or, like, if I mean, it's just I work with a lot of people, too, that work in, like, FL Studio. And so to, you know, flatten everything and put everything into stems and to send over, it's just especially when you have so much automation and, like, 43 channels open. It's just yeah. it's, it gets pretty crazy. Yeah, it just takes too long, and you know, yeah. if you want to like, have that kind of real time, have, like I want to be able to have there. like my phone open and like be able to Skype someone and also have see what they're doing, you know, in the DAW. Yeah, we were kind of doing it by just like sending it through our <laughs> through our systems, like in real time, alternative ways of doing it. system that yeah. does it. So we found other ways to do it, but um. Yeah, I mean, it can be done, but you have to do all these different tools. They're not it's not integrated into like a streamlined process yet, which I'm really excited for that to happen. Yeah. And I'll just complain about it until it happens. Yeah, I, I think that's totally cool because I mean, I, the other, you know, the only other way you do that, you know, you physically meet in a studio and you work on stuff. That's cool. Yeah. And still, there's a place for doing that. But today, with so much capability, being able to do it on the on, on your phone or your laptop, that would be, that, that, I think that would be a game changer, changer. for yeah, a lot of artists. Yeah, especially because you don't have to essentially be in the same city. I mean, like, 
it's definitely people do it like people get around it and i think that the music industry is still going forward but it would definitely make it i mean i mean i'm a millennial so anything that makes my life easier is going to be a super one-up oh yeah i I can i can get that i mean i've run into people that you know they they did a whole album on garage (laughs) damn (laughs) you know on, on, on an ipad and uh and they and they're doing pretty good with it and i'm like yeah okay, i mean there's so many cool, cool you know? like little so icons too like there's so much there's so much shit that you can make music with it's insane and i i love it yeah and it kind of depends on the creativity you know if you look at a guy like jack white he can take a, like a plastic hundred dollar guitar and make like a million dollar uh, a million seller off an instrument that's not like the best instrument mm-hmm. in the world he uses like bad guitars on purpose just to show that you know he can if you know how to play you can take anything and just make it yeah. sing. Uh, and he kind of purposely takes kind of substandard gear to show what you can do with it um and that's kind of cool but you know it's, it shows that you can do all kinds of things you can take a casio from like 1980 and, and do something on it <laughs> you know and people are like, what's that is like, what's a casio but like if you're creative with mm-hmm. it you can do anything you know um, so you don't have to have the most expensive synthesizer in the world. You could take something that, you know, yeah. a toy and, that's, and actually, and that's if you're definitely something you I can, like you can about, do um, producing electronic music is that you don't have to have a shit ton of hardware. Like you can have just a laptop and Ableton and like a few VSTs and, and, you know, it's all up to your creativity. It's all up to what you've got going on in your head. And, um, that's one thing that I do like about, um being an electronic music producer is that like you can instantaneously make art without having to buy a bunch of shit i mean it's still expensive ableton isn't the cheapest you know dot out there but it's it's definitely a lot cheaper than building out like a full studio in order just to figure out if you like making music or if you're good at it oh yeah i think you like from ableton as you get bigger and as you start to profit from your music then the that where you're the the more just to get them um uh, but yeah within that tool set you can do so much that it's it's a really good equalizer for people you know they can't afford four thousand dollar guitars yeah i mean even like some of the vsts that are on ableton like if either they're if you were to buy something to make that um as as a hard or as an analog or as like a hardware um, it would just be so ridiculously expensive when you can just like buy something for like you know one or two hundred dollars and like keep it on your computer forever and ever. Yeah, there's a case for that. Um, yeah, but like I, like I said, like I understand. Oh no, but I know so many people that are. I mean, it's it's <laughs> there's a beauty to both for sure, and that the, that's the cool thing. Like you were saying, like every day, like your analog gear behaves differently you know it takes a while to warm up like it has some sort of like lifelike quality to it that I think people really enjoy and the more I get into music and the more um I progress I really hope to experience that and to get more experience with analog gear because it seems like it's a feeling that uh is a little irreversible yeah I think I think as an electronic musician if you get your hands on a like a Moog Mm -hmm. grandmother or a Model D or any of the modes they have so much character that once you touch one and you actually realize that it's almost endless the sounds you can get out of them um you can just so do so many combinations 
of uh, structures of how you build mm-hmm. sounds on those things that you never yeah, run out absolutely. of ideas. And uh, and that in itself kind of drives, sometimes my mode will drive something because I just, I just come up with something. I just let it kind of talk to me and then you kind of vibe off of it and then you come up with an idea because it is kind of like a yeah. thing. <laughs> they're, they're, they're strange in that way and you just, you wire it different way because you have to actually wire them up with different combinations of controlled voltage wires. They they look like they're like an old <laughs> telegraph yeah. operator, um, but but that allows you to come up yeah, with so much we'll variation. That that variation in itself um, it's like analog sequencing, which and you can drive you to you know go into a DAW and add something on. So I like combining like DAWs with analog and then you can get lots of cool uh you know oh, happy yeah. accidents. I love I love a good happy <laughs> accident. I've had a couple of those where I've been like, okay, okay, that's working. Yeah, I think that the analog can drive a lot of happy accidents. Um and then, you know, then the more structured stuff in the DAW where you can tighten things up and actually really control what you want. So having both is a really good, like, marriage in terms of music because then you can have the structure you want with the DAW and then the variability you want with analog. So I'm a big proponent of both of them because there's yeah, a lot totally. of cool capability. You know, you know the, the different tools for different things. Um, and so... Yeah, you kind of just like open your mind to everything. And then, you know, the physical instruments like real guitars and stuff like that, those are all, you know, even physical percussion, you know, because I I talked to percussionist, I was talking to a drummer and he had like a $15,000 drum set. Like very down on how many people were using drum machines and not call them as much as they used to get calls. Um, but, But, you know, it's like people don't have time to bring a guy with a big drum set into their into their environment as much as they can jump on an 808 or a Volca drum machine or a DAW drum yeah, machine yeah. and come up with their own beat. But, you know, there's still prices because if you perform a real, a real drum. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that's that's a cost and an expense. And so there's all these things with progress. It's hard, you know, to, to stay you know where you were in 1985 with your drum set and it's 2019, you know, you're not yeah. getting as much work as you did back then. Um, but that's the way the world goes. It I, know. It's, I mean, it's already, it's already changed so fast in like the last like five years. It's just crazy. You know, the, the flows of patterns of like what, what's popular and what's not, or like what's, you know, new and what's not. And it's, it's just why it's wild how fast everything is just going. Well, like rock, you know, rock was like, if you went to a, a show at a club, it was always like a heavy metal Zeppelin, you know, Leonard Skinner type of rock band. Right. And you're, you know, electronic trance, what up, and they're not Def Leppard clones or, you know, Guns N' Roses or Led Zeppelin clones. It's like, that's not what's going on. You know, like rock is not as big as it was. There are different yeah, types yeah, of now rock. it's just, it's more like, I mean, it depends. Yeah, it's, there's, there's just different. so much out there, especially. Where you are. Yeah. 
I mean, I could go someplace and probably see but someone like, who's naked ringing a triangle and consider that music, so. Yeah, well, music where you yeah. are in New York yeah, is yeah. wide open. That's why I love New York. You, you can go see, you know, see Coltrane on one part of town and go see a like punk rock band on the other side of town and see some hip-hop and EDM. I mean, there's so many different things going on. You get a real country, like somebody being like Johnny Cash or something. Never know. There's so much. It's, it's awesome. You know. Yeah, I love it. I love everything about but, the industry. But, actually, we're the cutting edge up at the sample wave, but that's where a lot of stuff is going on. An old folk want to listen to Dylan. You're not an old fogey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell, <I'll> tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, you know, um, you know more um, about gear than I do, so I would consider you an expert rather than a fogey. Yeah, some people think <laughs> it's like passe. <laughs> now you see an analog synthesizer. I, I mean, it's definitely like not my expertise, and I make music in such a different way. But that's like the cool part of talking to someone like you is that you know you can have these discussions about the differences and you know they're definitely different but they all bring something to the table yeah well anybody that takes the time to let me hear their ideas as an artist you're actually doing your own thing that's i i love that that's why you know for the last you in india around the globe last week i had to be you know bands for italy and london it's really cool to, to hear what's going on. And to be bands from like Sweden and the Netherlands, and uh, there's just a lot of cool stuff mm-hmm. going on musically. And uh, it, I, I just like to get my pulse on it because as an artist, like doing these interviews, I take the time to do it away from my own music, just because you know communicating mm-hmm. with other artists is a big thing to be able to progress, you know, and to get new ideas. And so I, I, I decided this was a good way. They kind of still be in the same game, but it's a different aspect of it. Um, yeah. So I enjoyed talking to you today. This is going to go out on Spotify and Apple and Stitcher and like like 11 to 12 other platforms uh, once I get set up. And I'll put the link to your uh, oh, awesome. Spotify. And, and the link will work on Apple. And it will work on Radio Public. For some reason, it doesn't work on Spotify. It doesn't let our links be active, but you can see them and cut and paste them into a browser. So the link you know, to your Spotify will be there, but oh, it that's won't fine. be able to be clickable. But um, Apple will. So if you want to push people to be able to click those and maybe push cool. those. Absolutely. But we'll send you those links when, you, when they're up. And they'll be up later tonight within... Okay, cool. Yeah, we're always here to talk to indie artists. If you, when you have your next EP ready, yeah, yeah, cool. um, give us a little message and we can talk to you about it. We can do like a release episode, oh, that which would be we've great. done yeah. for some people we've talked to. Yeah, so thank you for being on the show. Teddy from New York, <laughs> Brooklyn. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. All right.